The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Jesus said, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I imagine many of you have heard the saying, money is the root of all evil. Believe it or not, I was a little surprised as I was reading through this morning's scriptures to see that in our lesson from Timothy, it is written... The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And he continues, And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Now, I've been a priest and preacher for over 20 years, and it's taken me until day to realize that, A, that phrase has biblical origins, excuse my ignorance, and, B, Timothy's not proclaiming money as evil, but that those who forget their faith will cause and receive pain. The author knows, as Jesus knew, as our psalmist knew, as Amos knew, and as God knows, that wealth can be a particularly heavy stumbling block when it comes to living wholeheartedly, living the abundant life that Jesus offers living the life that is really life. Too much money can easily get in our way. Many faithful people, particularly those of us in Marin, constantly have to wrestle with the temptations and blind spots that come with having money. Whether through sayings like this that we heard at the beginning of my sermon, or prophetic proclamations from Amos, or poetic exhortations as we hear in the Psalms, like, the Lord cares for the stranger, he sustains the orphan and the widow, 
but frustrates the way of the wicked. Or even the parable Jesus tells us in the gospel reading. The message of today's scripture is clear. You cannot serve God and wealth. As Jesus says just before launching into the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. In this parable, a rich man dressed in purple and fine linen feasts sumptuously every day. While Lazarus, starved and covered in sores, languishes at the rich man's gate. Though Lazarus is perfectly visible, the rich man neither acknowledges Lazarus's presence nor alleviates his suffering. In fact, the neighborhood dogs show the poor man more compassion than his wealthy human counterpart. They at least come and lick his sores. Eventually, both men die. Lazarus is carried away by the angels to be with Abraham, while the rich man ends up in Hades, where hot flames leave him parched and desperate. In a perfect reversal of his earthly circumstances, the rich man looks up and sees Abraham and Lazarus far away, enjoying every comfort. So he asks Father Abraham to send Lazarus over with some cool water to soothe his burning tongue. Or maybe send Lazarus as a messenger to his wealthy brothers who are still alive on earth. Let Lazarus warn them, he says so that they'll change their ways before it's too late. But Abraham refuses both requests. The chasm separating Lazarus from the rich man is fixed. No one can cross over. And the brothers? The brothers have Moses and the prophets. They have everything they need in order to repent. If they won't listen to the wisdom already embedded within their spiritual tradition, Abraham says, even someone rising from the dead will not convince them. Needless to say, this is somewhat of a grim story. But what I appreciate most is that it's an urgent story. It doesn't mince words about what's at stake. It doesn't pretend that our years are limitless and our options infinite. This is a story about time running out about alternatives closing down. This is a story for us. On its face, the parable is about wealth. Jesus has a great deal to say about wealth in the Gospels, and none of it is pretty. But the message that reverberates for me, the key danger Jesus identifies in the pursuit of material comforts and riches, is the danger of blindness, of moral apathy and indifference, of a fundamental inability to see human need, human suffering, human dignity, and human worth. In life, it's very likely that the rich man notices Lazarus. At the very least, he manages not to trip over the guy each time he leaves his house. Maybe, he tosses Lazarus the occasional coin or agonizes, as maybe some of us do, over whether it's good social policy or bad social policy to give cash to beggars. Maybe he theorizes about what kind of poor Lazarus is 
Lazy poor or deserving poor? Down on his luck or just a drunk? Truly sick or pretending? Maybe the rich man says a prayer for Lazarus on the Sabbath. Maybe when he's with his wealthy friends, he brings up the poor. And they have an appropriately abstract conversation about the problem over dinner. The problem is, none of this is the seeing that Jesus calls us to do. To see is to risk the vulnerability of relationship, of kinship, of solidarity. To see is to put aside forever all questions of worthiness and recognize in the bleeding other our own face, our own fractured dignity, our own pain, and our own mortality. To see as Jesus sees is to implicate oneself fully in the stories of other people's hunger, illness, terror, and shame. To see Lazarus, the rich man needs to recognize his own complicity in the poor man's suffering. He needs to admit that his own inability to say, I have enough, I have more than enough to share, is directly responsible for Lazarus's poverty. Or maybe the rich man needs to understand that his incapacity to grieve and rage for Lazarus is a fatal sign of his own impoverishment. An impoverishment so total, no amount of linen, purple cloth, or fancy food can remedy. This is radical seeing. It's the kind of bold, courageous, and sacrificial seeing that scares us to death, precisely because it asks so much of us. It asks everything of us, and well, let's admit it, who among us really signed up to do everything? What's amazing about this parable is how much it takes for granted. The story presumes that Lazarus is righteous and the rich man is not. The story dignifies the poor man, not the wealthy one, with a name. The story leaves no doubt in our minds that the rich man's lifestyle is directly to blame for Lazarus's hunger. In every single way, Jesus reverses the hierarchies that we live by. And here's the scariest part of the story. Even after death, the rich man fails to see Lazarus. Privilege just plain clings to him, even in Hades. Though he piously calls on Father Abraham, he refuses to see Lazarus as anything other than an errand boy. Tell him to bring me water. Tell him to go warn my brothers. No wonder Abraham tells him that the chasm separating the two realms is too great to cross. And let's be clear, God is not the one who builds the chasm. We do that all by ourselves. The rich man lives behind a wall with a gate. The rich man, who is ironically nameless, knew Lazarus by name but didn't help him. Did the rich man develop a sort of callousness over his soul so that the plight of Lazarus would no longer affect him? 
did he no longer even see Lazarus at the gate? Maybe the tragedy of the rich man is less about him burning in Hades and more about the way he constructed his life to be cut off from reality, from feeling compassion in the face of suffering, from the joy of sharing what he had, from the satisfaction of being able to see dignity and even beauty in the faces of those whom he might instinctively have turned away from seeing, like a man with a dog licking his sores. I I suspect that the chasm between him and Lazarus will remain until he can see the full humanity of Lazarus, until the scope and concern of of his for others' well-being extends beyond his own. Maybe some of us, maybe most of us, have a little bit of the rich man in us. After all, we're often glued to our screens, staring at social media, our bank balances, or a string of texts related to our family's emotional drama. I can count myself in that category. All of that buffers us from noticing and being available to what actually is right in front of us. Jesus invites us through this teaching to let our guards down, to keep our gates unlocked, our ears unplugged, our eyes wide open, so that our souls may become less buffered and resistant and more and more porous to the flow of the Spirit's generosity. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon. Uh-huh.